It is God's word. And so it is what it is. Once again, I want you to know when I stand before you, all that I do know is, is simply by the grace of God. All that I have is by the grace of God. And I thank God every day for that. And probably not, not enough, not enough, not near as much as I should. But I am grateful for what God has blessed me with and my family. And so at the beginning of this message today, I want to start by saying this. We all, in order to experience the power and the love of God and all that He would have for us, we all must surrender to God. We all must consecrate ourselves to God. And, and you have to know, you have to know that it's not a one-time deal. You have to know that it's a recurring factor that must be in our lives. Because we're an independent lot. We have a tendency to enjoy doing things in our own way. We must daily surrender ourselves to God. And we must trust and obey God with the faith of a simple child. I love listening to children pray. I love it that every night my daughter will come in and she'll ask me to pray with her. And I love listening to her prayers because they're simple, they're to the point, and she believes everything she's praying for. And it's a constant reminder of how we are to be before God. We have to remember that God created us to be dependent upon Him and not independent of Him. And that means trust and obedience. But first, there has to be surrender. Surrender. I love what David says in First Chronicles chapter 29. And we're just going to look at verse 5, but let me give a little quick backstory to what's going on. David is God has blessed him immensely. Solomon is, is going to be coming up. Solomon will indeed build the temple. But David is providing all the provisions for the temple. And so here in this passage, David is dedicating all the things that, he, that God had blessed him with and that God had brought forth, all the gold, all the, the, the furnishings, the silver, the bronze, and, 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 and the wood, all the supplies that were going to be needed to be built for the temple. David was providing. And Solomon would, would take that up, and he would indeed build, build the temple. But, but David 
was, was giving it all back to God. And I love what he says in verse 5. He says, Of gold for the things of gold, and of silver for the things of silver, that is, all the work done by the craftsmen. Who then is willing to consecrate himself this day for the Lord? In other words, what David was saying, David was saying, all this is great. And we have no problem working for silver and gold. And we have no problem standing on the pride of our workmanship. But David asked this one question. Who is willing to consecrate themselves? Who is willing to sacrifice themselves? Who is willing to devote themselves totally, 100%? Who is willing to surrender themselves this day for the Lord? And I want you to keep that thought in your mind. As we go and we, we talk about things this morning. If you have your Bibles with you, go ahead and turn with me to Second Timothy chapter three. This has been a uh, it's been an interesting week. And it's been a a horrifying week. And it's ironic that uh, God had led me to this passage today because almost twenty years ago, almost probably to the, to the day twenty years ago. God led me to this passage. And I remember 20 years ago, I remember preaching on this passage and I remember telling the people, look, this day is coming. It's coming. And we need to prepare. And I remember pretty much saying the same words. We're going to have to surrender ourselves to God. We're going to, in order to survive the age to come, we're going to have to dedicate ourselves to God and to cling to the cross like a daggum life preserver and not let go. And here we are, 20 years later, and I think back of everything that has happened in the last 20 years. Everything from the Oklahoma City bombings To the school shootings in Jonesboro, Arkansas, Columbine, Witchwood Baptist, Virginia Tech, and now this week, I can't think of a more crowded place, more chaotic place. This, this guy knew what he was doing. And you have to ask yourself the question, what led to this? And where do we go from here? And indeed, that is what Paul is talking about in this passage, if you'll read along with me. Now, I may be reading a little different version, but that's okay. Verse 1, it says this, But realize this, that in the last days... Oh, it's First Timothy. I'm sorry. <laughs> that's cool. Don't worry about it. 
But realize this, that in the last days, difficult times will come. Paul's just saying, look, it's going to happen. Period. End of the story. Difficult times will come. For men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, malicious gossips, without self-control, brutal, haters of good, treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. I think this is the one this verse is the one that bothers me the most. Holding to a form of godliness, although they've denied its power. Avoid such men as these. Folks, I have to I hate to say it, but that's today. That's today. That's what we've become. This is the day in which we live. I know this because I deal with the public on a daily basis. <laughs> and, and I don't always deal with bad people, folks. I deal with people. And I'm telling you, This is who we deal with. This is who we are. We are in the difficult times. And so now the question has to be asked, what do we do and how do we live in these difficult times? And I do want to go back and I do want to talk about verse 5. Holding to a form of godliness, although... They have denied its power. Honestly, I don't know what went wrong or where it went wrong or how it went wrong. That is a description of the church today. The church today is more concerned about being kingdom builders. It's it's really kind of funny. They're building kingdoms for God. Well... The last time I checked, God didn't need any help. (laughs) Somewhere along the line, we we slipped. And now we're doing things for God. We are doing things for God. Does anybody see where the problem in that is? God doesn't need us to do anything for Him. God calls us to obey Him and to trust Him. And to seek Him. And and I've seen this. And and it it, it does frighten me. Because we slipped. And and I'm telling you today that if we are going to survive these times that are before us. The only way that we're going to do it is by getting back to the basics, surrendering ourselves before God, 
and clinging to God. Let me continue on. Um, Among them are those who enter into households and captivate weak women weighed down with sins, led led on by various impulses, always learning, and never never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Let me talk about those two verses. We, in these times that are coming, that I believe are here, at least in the starts, and it'll get worse. In fact, he'll say that in a minute. But the other problem that I've seen today with the influx of technology and the things that that are going on, um, our people, our leaders, are being led by selfish impulses. Our families are broken. And I know all of us in this room know what a broken family is. But our marriages are broken. They're shot all to pieces. God designed man and woman to be one. And when that relationship does not function in the manner that it should, then it leaves problems for both sides of the marriage. When men do not take up the responsibility and do not do the things that God has called them to do, women are left with a void. And in the crux of that void, longing to be filled, longing for the security and the peace and the love, that's the way God designed them. In the midst of that void, if that need is not met, then they will be susceptible to others that will provide that need. And unfortunately... One of the things about ministry is that as ministers, we counsel, we, have, we minister to the needs of those. And when the minister's heart is not in the right place and his mind is not in the right place and his spiritual walk is not in the right place, there's a doorway that, that becomes open. And it's, it's a dangerous door, and it leads to destruction. And unfortunately, unfortunately, there are those that are out there that on the outside, man, everything looks honky-dory fine. They are minister of the month. On the inside, the predators. And we have to be careful. Because women especially are looking for a need to be filled, a void to be filled. 
and they will be led astray. And then we run into this other problem, the same type of men. They're always, always learning, always seeking knowledge, always learning, always looking for the answer, but never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. And it's because they've denied who God is. They've rejected him. Paul will go in, goes more into detail about this in, in the first chapter of Romans, starting from about verse 18. We're not going to go over that today, but if anybody's curious, this is the area that Paul is referencing to. Just as Jan's... Janus and Jambres opposed Moses, so these men also opposed the truth. Men of a deprived mind rejected in the regard of the faith. Janus and Jambres were the two sorcerers. You all remember? Remember the staff turned into a serpent? And they were like, ooh, yeah, we could do that. Oh, they threw down their staffs, and they had those two little snakes, and they were wiggling all over the place. And what did Moses' staff do? Yeah. <laughs> These two guys, this, this is the type of individuals. I mean, these two guys thought they were it. Man, they thought they, ah, we got this. And unfortunately, we've got a lot of prideful guys that are walking around thinking, ah, we got this. The truth is, we ain't got nothing but set by grace. I don't care how many degrees you got hanging on the wall. I don't care how many pastors, churches you've pastored. I, I mean, I don't care. You don't have a walk with God. It don't mean nothing. They will not make further the progress for their folly will be obvious to all. Just as Janice's and, and Jambri's folly were, were also. Now you followed my teaching, conduct, purpose, faith, patience, love, perseverance, persecutions, and sufferings, such as happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, and, and at Lystra. And you can see all this in the Acts, what, what Paul is referring to. The persecutions I endured, and out of them all the Lord rescued me. Basically, what Paul is saying is, look, you know, these difficult times are going to come, but you guys have seen, already seen my faith. Y'all have already seen the things that I've suffered through. Y'all have already seen all the things that God has led me to. And it looked like, you know, everything was coming to an end. But God delivered me through them all. In other words, what Paul is about to say to them is, you have got to be clinging to the cross. In other words, what he's saying to them right now is that he's saying, I want you to look at my life. I want you to look at where God has led me, what God has brought me through. And I want you to know that just like, just as God led me through that, God will lead you through this. That's what Paul is getting at here. He's saying these difficult times are coming, and I'm telling you they're here now. And I'm telling you that the only way that you're going to be able to survive this mess is by following the example that Paul had set. And Paul was following the example that was set to him by who? Christ Jesus himself. In other words, what Paul is saying is that from faith to, from one faith to another faith, we're going to get through this together. In other words, there has got to be somebody that will first 
take that first step, and they will be completely surrendered to God, and they will be completely devoted to God, completely concentrated to God, and they're hanging on by the skin of their teeth to God. And through their example, and as God delivers them, as God provides for them, as God lives through them, their faith will lead to the faith of another. In other words, what Paul is basically getting at is that people need to see the true faith of the Christian believer. And folks, what I'm getting to is, I'm getting to this. This is what we call true church growth. Now, anybody could do a dog and pony show. I can put out inflatables. I can bring in big concerts. I can bring in, you know, uh, who's that guy with the curly hair that's been around forever? Gaither. I can bring in Gaither. You know, I can look at the demographics of an area. I can figure out what the people want, and I can bring entertainment. Now I'm talking about Gladiator. Now, am I not entertaining you? I can entertain, and I can build a church. But what have I done? What have I done? Yeah. I mean, really, have I done anything? Ooh, big church. We got lots of people coming in. This is why I hate going to conventions. I don't like going to the conventions. The last church I pastored, they were like, you need to go to the convention. And I was like, dude, I don't want to go to the convention. You need to go to the convention. This is why I don't go to conventions. I go to conventions, everybody's wearing a suit, everybody's hair slicked back, and everybody's walking around like some kind of a proud rooster. We baptized so many this month. We baptized so many this year. It's because of my sermon series. <sighs> Quit tooting your own stinking horn. I don't care about that. How many lives have been changed? From faith to faith. Based upon the gospel. In these difficult times, people have got to see your faith. And we'll talk about that more in just a little bit. Indeed, he's just laying it out. Indeed, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be prosecuted. Per- prosecuted. Ha, ha, ha. Slipped into the law, form. <laughs> law enforcement. <clears throat> Sorry about that. <sighs> all those who seek to glorify God will be persecuted. Not prosecuted, persecuted. There might be some prosecution along the way, I don't know. You will be persecuted. Why? Because the closer you get to God, the more Satan's going to try to tear apart. It's ironic to me that the biggest periods of church growth were during times of persecution. And the more the world tried to stamp it out, the more the church grew. God, have you ever wondered why God is always in the midst of the storm? Go back and, and, and look at the Old Testament. Anytime that God's mentioned, where is he at? In the storm, in the fire, in the clouds, in the smoke, in the turmoil, in the chaos. 
That's where we find God. That's where God delivers. That's where God makes a difference. Paul is telling the people, you will be persecuted. If you follow after God, if you chase after God, you will be persecuted. Just as he was. And just as Christ was. But in the midst of that, will be God. And he will deliver. Evil men and imposters will proceed from bad to worse. This is all part of God's plan, people. I hate to say it, but the day that we live in right now, it ain't going to get any better. It's only going to get worse. It will get worse until the point to where it is permeated. God's wrath will be poured out at a time when it is permeated. And in other words, when it's completely saturated, when, when there can be no more, it is at that point that God's wrath will be poured out. You can go back and look at Romans. Evil men and imposters will proceed from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. You, however, continue in the things that you have learned and had become convinced of, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you have known the sacred writings which were able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith, which is also in Christ Jesus. In other words, what Paul is saying is that you as believers, you as those that are standing in these difficult times and in the difficult times that will continue to come, you are to fall back upon the things that you have been taught, the things that you have been raised, the, the scripture, the gospel that led you to, to belief in Christ to begin with. You are to fall back upon those things. You are to cling to those things. And you are to hold steadfast in those things. And this creates a problem. Because a lot of churches today, somewhere down the line, Ah, we forgot to, we just kind of left out that discipleship portion of it. And we kind of forgot about, we kind of got so focused in on leading people to Christ that we forgot about growing people in Christ. And you know it's true. But you got to have the basics. Because when you don't have the basics then you have nothing to base anything upon. Sorry. You, you know, as, as a state trooper, it was funny the other day, I had some applicants, they're getting ready to go to the academy. I brought up these three huge books, and I threw them on the table. And they are, I, I'm, I'm talking big, thick monsters, three of them. We got, we got General... Uh, we have a general manual, which is all the general policies in the department. And then we have a THP manual, which is all the policies that we're supposed to follow as highway patrolmen. We, these are our Bibles. And then, on top of that, I've got this law book that's about this thick. It's got itty-bitty words in it. And on top of those two manuals, I've got to follow that law book. And here's the nutty thing about it. If I choose to ignore those things, 
guess what's going to happen? Yeah, at jail, probably. The, the really cool thing about those manuals are, is, as much as we hate them, is the really cool thing about those manuals are, is that no matter where I go in the state, guess what? My job's the same. If I patrol up here, if I go down to Brownsville, guess what? I'm going to be doing the exact same thing. You know why? Because everybody in the state's following the same policies. We spend a year and a half focusing on nothing but those policies, procedures, and laws. And every time we promote in our career, guess what we have to go back to? Those policies and those laws. So in other words, every step of our career is based upon policies and laws. You know why? Because if you strip the basics away, well, boy, everything's going to turn to chaos. The Christian walk, folks, is no different. You take the basics away, and you don't teach the basics. All of a sudden, we don't have anything to fall back on. All of a sudden, we can't stand in the difficult times. And of course, everything hinges on verse 16. <laughs> I love this scripture. All scripture is inspired by God. And it's profitable for teaching. It's profitable for reproof. It's profitable for correction. It's profitable for training in righteousness. So that the man of God may be adequate and equipped for every good work. I understand this perfectly, because what did I just tell you? In the highway patrol, what do I have to rely on? And it's true. Policy will, will either boost you up, it'll burn you. Scripture is no different. And guys, this is where, you, this is where everything hinges, is on Scripture. You have to make a decision to whether or not Scripture is real or whether it is false. And there's a lot of people out there today that are, that are standing up and they're saying, ah, oh, it is what you make it. You can't take Scripture literally. Well, folks, I'm here to tell you that if you remove that one truth, Everything about our faith hinges on the Word of God. And if you remove that, then welcome to chaos. Real quickly, turn over to Romans chapter 1. And uh, I'm going to skip all the way down. Uh, I'm going to start in verse 16. And this is Paul talking to the church of Romans. He says, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation. And the question I ask you today is, do you believe that? All the fancy sermon series in the world, I mean, they're great. They'll help out with individual needs. But everything hinges on the gospel. The gospel. The truth. 
that Jesus Christ died for your sins and that He came to deliver you. The truth of that, the truth, the only truth that matters, salvation, hinges upon the gospel. And that, folks, is why the gospel better be true. That is why God's word better be true. If you can't accept that black and white, then you can't accept God's salvation. Because it's only by the preaching of the word that God tugs upon the heart and leads people to salvation. It's not the preacher. It's not the guy delivering the message. It's God's word. Because God's word is his power. In the very beginning, how did we become who we are? How did all of this become what it is? Somebody tell me. He spoke his word. And what does John 1, 1 tell us? The word is God. The word has always been God. And it is in his word that we see his power. Whether or not we had the faith to believe his word. And it is in the believing of his word that we find our salvation. Because the word was made flesh. And that flesh died for us. But let me continue on. It is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith as it is written. This is, this is another verse that I want you to key in on because this is how we're going to survive these difficult times, from faith to faith. This is how we're going to grow, is going to be from faith to faith. Your faith is going to be what leads another to Christ. Because you have the faith to cling to God's word, to live by God's word, to surrender your life to Christ. And as people see that in you, they will want to know, what do you have that I do not? And it is from your faith that they will gain their faith. And it is from faith to faith that we will grow. It is from faith to faith that we will survive. And so really, folks, it all comes back to the simple question. Are you willing this day to consecrate yourself to the Lord? I'm not asking people to be Billy Graham's. I'm not asking people to be rocket scientists. But I am asking, will you surrender to God and trust and obey? Because it's only going to get worse. And in a short time, you will see 
what is real and what is not. Let's stand and close for a word of prayer. Mr. Thiessen, would you lead us in a word of prayer, sir?